This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Logan Brownie grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and moved to Los Angeles to pursue her acting career at 14 years old. After booking her first acting gig, she has continued to appear on the big screen, like in the teen series Summerlin, VH1's Hit the Floor, and the Netflix series Dear White People. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Logan Browning reflects on how she first got involved in acting, her experience starring in the Netflix series Dear White People, and her journey with meditation. No longer. You are no longer on your own, but you are a good singer. So uh, is that your shower song or what is your shower song? What is my shower song? Honestly, I just think a lot in the shower. Like I think about, I think about a lot of things and then I'm like, I need to get out of the shower and go write that down. (laughs) What's your shower song? What is my shower song? I'm probably too embarrassed to tell you my shower song is the truth. I'm too it's embarrassed. It's probably like a, a Nicki Minaj, Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> you like know that. what? Cardi's my girl. I like her. She's uh, she's fun. She's alive. Uh, she's good on the stage. They're both good on the stage. I like them both. It's uh, who's your who's your favorite singer? Who uh, if I was throwing a concert for you, who would I have perform? Well, I'm actually going to see uh, Erica Badu at the Hollywood Bowl oh, um, nice. in L.A. So, I, I mean, she's not my favorite performer, but she's going to be my first paid uh, concert that I go to uh, post-pandemic. Have you been, have you seen her before? Will this be the first time? I don't, yeah, I don't think I've, I, I think I would remember if I, yeah, I haven't seen her, no. <laughs> you know, I, she's one of those ones who I kind of miss. Like, I wish she was, around more. I feel like she kind of disappeared for most of the last 15 years-ish. She kind of like lives her life. Like she kind of has this, this like, I don't know how if she's one daughter or more than one daughter, but she, I think just has this beautiful family and like a beautiful, like she has a garden and she grows her own 
vegetables and, and lettuce. And she has videos on the internet where she's like picking her lettuce and cleaning. I'm like, this is the content that I am on Instagram for. So I, I love that. I love that. I love, wait, now, are you a, uh, a green thumb? Are you a, uh, are you a chef? Any of that? Well, I, I do have a green thumb. I have my snake okay. plant here. Nice. Um, I, yeah, my mom and my brother are both vegan. So, um, holidays have to be mostly vegan menu. Um, and I'd say they're both pretty good vegans because a lot of vegans, you know, end up just only eating carbs, not really healthy foods, but, um, yeah, they're both really good chefs and, uh, I kind of learned from them a little bit. And wait, now how did they become vegan? And, And are you guys from Los Angeles or where are you guys from? Uh, they were from Georgia. Um, and they became, well, my brother became vegan first. It was, um, when my dad got sick, my dad ended up getting, um, colon cancer or prostate cancer. And, um, he, when he passed, I think my brother decided, I think my brother also watched what the health or something like that. And then he just decided to make that lifestyle change um, because my dad had, you know, very like regular eating habits like the rest of us and, you know, smoked cigars and drank and all the things. So when my brother became vegan, my mom did it to support him. I did it to support him. But then what had happened was... (laughs) (laughs) I was going to wait because you didn't introduce yourself as a vegan. You introduced brother and mother as vegan, but you didn't... You didn't take the crown for yourself. Okay. Yeah, I tr- I try. I did try. Um, I just, at, at the time I was on a show that was very like physically demanding and I needed protein um, at the time, but I'm kind of, I'm, I, for the most part, I feel like I'm pescatarian maybe. Okay. 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 But now what about your cooking skills? What, what do we know? Anything special there? Or you, are you just a terrific eater? I'm a pretty good baker. My great, great grandma May made this incredible pound cake. And, you know, in her day, she didn't have a stand mixer and she would sift out all the ingredients and separate them into sixths. And each of those six ingredients or like the sixths of the ingredients would go in at a time. And then you'd have to stir until it was gone. And then the next one, and that's like a one to three hour process. And then it has to bake for an hour. That's baking and baking that specifically is kind of my pride and joy. It's the thing I started doing it when I was a teenager. I took over that family recipe and my family, every Christmas, they're like pound cake, Logan, you mm-hmm. pound cake. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And then uh, you put ice cream with it. Do you heat it up? Do you, uh, you surround it in love or no? Yeah. 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 It, you know, it's, it's the most, simple pound cake. It's only got vanilla extract. It's got a really thick, like dark, darker brown crust. So the the outside is like hard and crunchy. And then the inside is very like soft. It's moist. It's got that vanilla and, um, it's just so good. And yeah, you put your vanilla ice cream Uh, on, on holidays. I will say maybe, maybe my whole family is not vegan. Okay. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. I like that. I like the little holiday vacation. Um, I was quietly the family cook growing up. I was never the baker though. My youngest sister was the baker and key lime pie was her specialty uh-huh. instead of pound cake. But pound cake's not a bad option. Either. That's a good option. What kind of chef are you? What kind of chef was I? 
apparently people tell me that uh that just like these former vegans who drift towards pescatarian i drifted towards consumer um you know what i made all sorts of things i made uh uh certain kinds of chicken we did skirt steak we i guess we were meat eaters uh lamb um my, my sisters were little at the time and they saw something on tv once about short order cooks and they really liked that so they used to leave me little notes with kind of what they wanted and so uh and so we we came up with all sorts of things depending on what they were hungry for so we had lots of uh, lots of good things to eat i love that lots you sound things. very close to your family i love that yeah well your brother i i've now heard you bring up your brother a couple times is are you guys close in age or where are you guys yeah, my um, I have three brothers. My younger one is the one I'm closest in age to. We're 13 months apart. And then I have two older brothers and the one that's right above me, we're 13 years apart. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is a lot of different age gaps. Uh, but um, yeah, I got three brothers and they mean the world to me. I'm the only girl. My dad would no, say, no, I'm his no, you, no, daughter. You, you know, I'm your opposite because I'm You're the only sister. boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a good nice. deal. It's a good deal. It's a good yeah. deal. Do they take good care of you? Were they, uh, they take good care of you and vice versa? Yeah, so my older two brothers, my the one right above me, um, when my dad went to uh, Desert Storm, he was still that my, my brother was 13. So he was still in the house. So he took care of me and my little brother when we were babies, he helped my mom out. Um, and then when I was 15, I was living in LA. I had been living with my godfather and he got sick and my brother was in his early twenties and became my guardian in LA. So I could stay out here at 15 and pursue acting. And that was like, I mean, he was, he had just graduated Howard. He was working, managing a hard rock in DC. He was like, he had a wonderful girlfriend. He was living the life and like mm. picked up, came to LA and was, I mean, sorry, Godfather. He was a better, a better guardian than my Godfather was. Like he just naturally was a perfect guardian, you know, cause the thing is you gotta, when, when you have a 15 year old girl child, really like you have to stimulate them. You can't just let them watch TV. Like you have to take them to museums and take them to the movies and take them to do things, you know? And he was really good. That's so funny that you say it. So I have a niece and nephew and years ago they came and stayed with me and they're separated by 12 years. I think he said 13 or separated by 12 years. So they came and my little nephew, I think was two or three and my niece was about 15. And I thought I was being the great uncle and I thought I was just giving them lots of time and they could do anything. And about two days in, she said, we need to have a talk. She said, first of all, we need to have structure. We can't just eat at any old time. And you can't keep taking us to McDonald's. I thought I was doing something great. She was like, no, that's not great. That's not okay. <laughs> like somebody's got to run this better. So, you know, 15-year-olds sometimes can uh, stimulate you to be your best self. So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm sure you did that for your brother. Honestly, I think I did because my brother used to say that he, you know, wasn't really someone who wanted kids. And I reminded him, he said this a couple of years ago, I reminded him that he already had one. I was like, you know, you raised a 15 year old girl. Like that is the test. That is the test. And now he has um, two, he has twins. He has one year old twins. Oh, nice. Girls, boys. What is Girl and a boy. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay, good. Well, he, uh, he got plenty of, uh, plenty of good practice. And I bet his, 
Now, is he still in Los Angeles? Does he get to see you a lot? Yeah, he's still in LA. And actually, my oldest brother um, just moved back to L or moved to LA. My oldest brother went to college in California. And now he's back in LA too. So now I have two brothers in LA and my nephew. I have a lot of family out here now, all of a sudden. You, you, you are a magnet. You drew, uh, you drew people to a, to a good place. Do you, do you like LA? Do you like living in LA? I, I, I don't have any complaints really. Um, I think it's a beautiful city. I think it's the thing that I love about it is that it has everything to offer. I mean, if I want to go hiking, if I want to go to the beach, if I want to go some, to the mountains and be cold, if whatever cuisine I want, like if I want to be in the city, I, anything I want is like, is very close proximity to me. Um, I find that really liberating. It feels like, it kind of feels like quintessential America, like where you can just go wherever you want to go. Like the idea of it is here to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like LA. My niece, that's where my niece and nephew lived. And, uh, and my sister and my brother-in-law were uh, kind of near Burbank, uh, Mission Hills, if you know where Mission Hills is. Yeah. And, uh, and that's so funny the way you describe it. You describe LA like somebody from the department of tourism, like really positively. <laughs> with, uh, yeah. We good spirits. So I'm sure they're, uh, they're, they're watching and appreciate it, which is good. Which You're is, welcome uh, tourism board. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. 
Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. So how did you get into acting? Like, I'm always curious when I hear people got in early. Were you like a six, seven, eight-year-old who were like, I want to be on TV. I like what's happening there. Or like, how did that, how did it happen? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> um, I, I, I was, my mom had me in ballet when I was really small. Um, and I really liked performing me and my little brother. We liked performing. We were, I mean, I feel like most kids did like, you know, everyone was on their fire in front of the fireplace, putting on performances for family. Like that's just like a rite of passage as a child, I think. Um, and my mom had us modeling. I was in a commercial when I was young. And then, um, my mom had actually put me into like a modeling and acting school, but she did it to make me more refined. I, so, so she says, I think, uh, it made me more ladylike. You know, I grew up around boys. All my cousins are boys. Like I just, I, was, I thought I was one of them, you know? And, uh, so I, I, and it was great because basically she just exposed me to like these other young women who, you know, we were all learning about like grooming and things. it was really like a very helpful experience. Um, and then there was a competition, that we went to that was in LA and the competition had agents as the judges. And then I met one of them and then they were like, if you're serious, you should move out to LA. It's pilot season. I'm like, what is a pilot season? Cause I was 14. And then we just did it a, like a month. It was in, that was in January um, of 2004. And a month later, uh, me and my mom got on a plane and moved to Pasadena. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you, did you feel like it was going to happen or it was like, it was a dream. And even if it didn't fully happen, like who gets to do that and that you were just looking forward to it? Uh, you know, my parents asked me, they were like, do you want to do this? Like, do you want to move to LA? And I felt like I had to say yes for every 14 year old like girl on the planet I was just like yeah who like I mean I was very very privileged like that is a huge blessing and privilege to, for your parents to offer that to you I feel like most most parents also was a really good kid but I think most parents probably wouldn't trust their 14 year old girl to just go because like I said I was going to be living with my godfather I was leaving home I was going to be homeschooling and in this completely new town that Hollywood, you know, Hollywood always had this kind of like, oh, be careful. It's Hollywood about it. And I just, I came out here and within the first month I, I booked a job and started working. Wow. That's kind of, uh, I agree with you for every 14 year old. That's kind of like not a bad deal. Wait, now who are your parents? Because that is a certain mindset and a certain openness. <laughs> and, um, like who, are, like, I know your dad passed, but like, were, were they in media? Were they in, um, you know, television or movies of some sort? Or what did they do? Who were they, they were open to doing this? I think my parents are just hippies at heart. Um, but my dad was a dentist. Um, he's a very prominent dentist in Atlanta. He had his own practice. Um, and my mom has been a lot of things. 
Um, she's, I, in, in essence, I would call her an amalgam between a businesswoman, entrepreneur, and an event planner. That's kind of her world. She's done all of those things. Um, and we come from, and like my mom's side of the family, like are entrepreneurs. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think both of them left home for college, you know, when they were younger. Um, they all, I mean, they would, they would send me and my brother away to camp for two weeks at a time. We used to go to camp for a month at a time. My, we, we always traveled. My parents just never wanted us to feel like we were stuck anywhere. And like, they just kind of always encourage this idea that the world is out there for the taking, that it's to be explored um, and to not be afraid. You know, I mean, I think that's the other thing. I think a lot of 14 year old kids would be afraid to leave home and go to this new strange place, do this new strange career. You know, I didn't, I knew my godfather, but I never lived with him before, you know? And I was just like, I'm kind of a flow kind of person. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and do you like LA? I live in the Bay area. And, uh, and like I said, I've come down sometimes to see family, but do you enjoy it? Is that LA? You said LA, I guess you, you, you said you take advantage of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, LA is uh, Georgia will always, always be my home. Um, and I think that, you know, in LA, I don't have as large of a, of a circle. Like I, I keep a very close tight knit circle in LA. Um, but Act, actors or no, mainly actors. They are actually for the most part actors or started off as actors and then segued into, you know, other professions. Um, and I also, yeah, I, I do kind of keep my friends from my different uh, uh, jobs that I've, I've worked on. Yeah. Would you, uh, are you, you excited about being a producer or director uh, at some point? Is that a. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, when I was younger, I, I used to, or I've looked at photos from when I was younger and I actually used to have this little, this little digital super eight camera. And it was, it was a, an American girl product they sold when I was a kid. And, um, I used to make little movies. It was, I, my parents had gotten me a PC and I would record little digital movies and, and make, you know, make them on my little PC. And when I look back at those photos as an adult, I think, Oh, oh, wow, like you, you came into this industry as an actor, but what if your little self really wanted to be a filmmaker? And what if like an actor is in proximity to that, but what if you, what if that's really what she wanted? Because that's the, you know, ever since I was a kid, the, the person on set who I am the most drawn to, well, really it's, it's all of the departments. I've always been drawn to like each of the departments on a set, but, you know, directors are the captain of the ship and, and how they are is really how, the tone of the the set will be, and so yeah, that's kind of. Are are you a basketball player at all? Uh, had a basketball hoop growing up. Uh, could I play now? Probably not. <laughs> okay, okay. It's funny. Something you were just saying about the captain of it reminded me hmm. of some point guards. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but reminded me of the people who are often kind of the captain on the basketball floor. <laughs> and you said it in a way of really natural point guards love to be in charge, love to come to a set and kind of figure out who should do what and move people around. And I, I got the feeling that you might, uh, you might really enjoy that. Are you telling me that maybe I should 
go be a point guard instead of a director. <laughs> you, know, you know, it depends on uh, how much height and how much speed. Wait, how yeah, tall are you? What, what kind of height? I'm really short. I'm five two. I don't think they're. I don't think I'm gonna make it to the WNBA anytime soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You never know. I have a good friend from Vietnam who always reminds me when I say, if I ask her, "Are you tall?" She says, "Depends on where in the world I am." In some hey, parts of yeah, the world, it's relative. like I've got good height. In other parts of the world, you know, I'm not going to be in the WNBA. So it, uh, I say it depends on what event I'm at or what shoe I'm wearing, you know, and maybe I'm in a platform. You never know. Well, oh, wait, no. What's the tallest shoe you have? How many inches have you done before? Oh, well, I mean, I don't. Well, maybe like an like an eight inch platform, like elevating eight inches. I, I want show and tell. If you've got it nearby, I want to see Aiden. I, I, you know, I was, you know what? I know where, I'm, I'll be right back. I do Please, know where there's I'll, a platform. I'll, I'll be here. Let's get this shoe. Eight inches. All right, I'm getting the, hi, Rusty boy. So. Wait, what is, do you have there? Do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? What do you have? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's my dog. Yeah, I'm actually just talking to myself. I have two <laughs> names for myself. Oh, yeah, this is my dog. Come here, Russell. Come here, Papa. I know, you're like, Oh, you don't want to have to respect his boundaries. He doesn't want okay, to maybe okay. later. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I do have the shoe. So this, I have this guy. This isn't the tallest shoe I've worn. This okay. is actually not as tall, but this is also an Alexander McQueen vintage heel that I snubbed. Wait, 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 wait. Can, can you move in that shoe? Can you like really move or are you like, yeah. are they like, Things going on when you're in that shoe. No, like a platform. No. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> a platform is so comfortable to walk in because it's like it's this you this elevation right here makes it right. very comfortable. Okay. Okay. Oh, so I'm not going to get to see the eight incher. <sighs> is it? I'll see it another day, unless you have it close by. I think it. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't have my measuring tape, so I'm not sure if this is eight inches. But okay. this, I have this guy. Wow. Who is a lot taller. But they're kind of, they're kind of the same. Yeah. yeah. Are, no, are you, are you a shoe junkie? Are you, uh, okay, yes. Clearly, okay. yeah. I okay. love, okay. love, love, love shoes. Love fashion, yeah. love shoes. Yeah. Are you? Um, I am not, but uh, I've had a friend describe herself as an art collector. She's got lots of shoes from all over the globe. And I think that's an interesting way to think about it. So I respect yeah. people who like them that much. And who take care of them. You know, like this, I mean, both of these, and they have a story to tell. A lot of my clothes are actually hand-me-downs from my mom or from friends. Um, and like I said, these are these are vintage. So I got these at a consignment shop. I have no idea who wore them before, but... Alexander McQueen is legend and I got them for not a lot of money. And then these, you know, I wore them so much that, uh, I broke the side of it, but I took it to the shoe repair shop and got it fixed. Mm -hmm. It's like when you love a shoe that much and you have yeah. a history with it and you can remember where you wore it and like, you know, they, they, they are a part of you now, granted they're things. And at the end of the day, you're not your things, but if you can, you know, develop that, that genuine relationship 
to the things in your life, then you take care of them more. They're reflective of how you are with people, with yourself, you know, like if you come home and you're just throwing things around, which I obviously am guilty of, but like, if you are throwing things around, (laughs) you're going to start treating yourself and other people like that. It's your relationship to the world, you know? I love that. uh, I love that you have found all that good stuff. And I love that it almost sounds like books. They used to do all those great movies about bookstores and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, kind of the history behind certain books and who owned them and uh, what stories passed between the people who, uh, who enjoyed them. So uh, I like that. Um, talk to me about Dear White People uh, for a second. Have you enjoyed that? You have four seasons, is that right? Yeah, four seasons, four seasons yeah. Have, do, do you enjoy that? I mean, I know at some level you do, but I guess I'm asking almost at an even heightened level. Like, does it bring you joy? still in season four to be a part of it and to do it? Absolutely. Um, you know, this show, Well, Dear White People was a film first in 2013. Justin Simeon made this film. And I remember when it came out, I thought, now why on earth would someone make a movie and call it Dear White People? Why, why would they do that? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going, this is foolish. I am not going to see this. And then a castmate of mine was like, hey, Logan, I'm going to this screening. They actually shot this movie um, where I'm from because it, it, they shot it in uh, Cold City, Cold City, uh, uh, above me. Why can't I think of this city? Salt Lake City, Vancouver. Lower than Vancouver, not Canada. Um, uh, Seattle, Portland. Not Portland. Oh, wow. This is so strange that I've completely forgotten where they filmed. George Floyd, where, what state, what state? Oh, oh, Minneapolis. Yes, yes, Minnesota. Yeah, Minneapolis. Oh, interesting. What an interesting choice. I, you know, I had Justin on the show. I don't even know if we talked about that. We should have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know if it was Minneapolis specifically, but I know it was Minnesota, is where yeah. she, my castmate was from. And that's, and she was like, I'm going to see this screening because it was shot in my town, the town I'm from. And I went and it was your white people. And I loved it. It's like, it is literally the same thing that anyone who's ever watched the show, it happens to them. They let, they're like, why, like this title, why, you know, silly title, racist title, whatever people want to say. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you changed over the four seasons? Like it, even as an actor, have you changed very much? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've changed as an actor. I've changed as a person. I guess I, I should say I've evolved. Um, I've experienced, I've evolved. I've been on a journey. Um, you know, I've had things, I've endured things, uh, whether it's through getting these scripts and then showing up and performing them and and then feeling very visceral because of their subject matter or, um, you know, dealing with real life trolls, real life people who would rather not see me here shining, living um, to, uh, you know, having to unpack my own life for the world, you know, um, and dissecting myself as, as well as dissecting Sam. Uh, it's a lot, it's definitely been, a, been five, it's really been five years of, um, of joys, of, of pain, of fear, of, of excellence. Um, 
it, it honestly feels like I had a, a, a collegiate experience within your white people, you know, like a lot of those things happen mm-hmm. in your, your collegiate experience. And, uh, yeah. And what is it preparing you to do? Do you think not that it has to, but, but when I hear you say collegiate and, and I can tell in the ways in which it's allowed you to grow and push and change and try things. And as you said, even feel things, you know, feel the emotion of it. Do you feel like it's preparing you for something special? Is there something you would love to consider doing next or down the road? Yeah. I mean, I I think I believe that every, every job I have has has set me up. Every experience I've had has set me up for the next thing. And so I think I truly can't know what comes next, but I do know that this journey, this show has um, made me much more compassionate, much more present, much more, um, maybe more thoughtful. It's, Mm. it's, um, it's, it's made me, it's forced me into seeking therapy, seeking, you know, meditative practices. Um, it's, it is, it is pushed me into, yeah, just a different part of my womanhood. Like I couldn't have, I, I couldn't have imagined that. And so what comes next you know, who, who I, I have no, I have no idea. I I'd really like that. When you said push you into a different part of your womanhood, what part of your womanhood do you feel like you're in now? Because you're making, well, you're making me wonder, have I, pushed you myself? Are. you're correct, but where I am and where should I push myself? Like, that was actually a very interesting way you put it. Where, uh, where do you think you are in your womanhood? Uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm at a place of, I'm just, I'm at a place of, I listen more. I, I accept more. I allow more. Um, I, I think I'm not, I'm not fighting. I think I'm not like fighting, fighting anymore, like fighting myself, fighting other people, fighting um, uh, what happens in my life. I think I've, I, you know what it is? I'm, I was talking in circles, but I, I, I there's a guru who I, I, I sometimes meditate under and you know he used to say this when we would talk about the purpose of life and having purpose in life he would say this thing that I thought was so controversial most people would think it's controversial but I've sat with it since then and it's that you know he would say you know life has no purpose the purpose life is the purpose and I'm like no you can't say that you can't say life has no purpose like you can't that's he's like no I'm saying that I'm saying that life is the purpose like just to live and to be is the purpose and that becomes you know very complicated because then you have to look at us as humans and in order for us to go from one day to the next we have to wake up with a will to live and a, and something to seek you know and do we have to have a we have to find a we actually have to find um purpose in our lives but I think I'm in a place in my life where I'm able to understand and balance what it means for my purpose in this world to, to just be the, it's like, it's a, it's a relief to be like, my purpose is literally just to be here. Mm-hmm. However, I can live each day purposefully. I can choose passion, choose service, choose, you know, things like compassion and things like that to guide me. But it's just a relief to not feel like, I have to achieve something by a date, you know? Did you, did you used to feel like that? Did you pre this show? Did you have that sense of, I don't even know what the right phrasing is and the right framing is, but a sense that I like, I need to be 
doing this in this way and at this speed and achieving things by this time. I would be shocked if most people didn't feel like that. I mean, I, 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 I grew up in the church and like, I remember, you know, one of the books we read was, uh, was it Rick Warren's A Purpose Driven Life? And mm-hmm. I think as a kid, I got, I didn't understand the difference between like, you know, having purpose and like, and having a purpose to be here. And I think that a lot of people find themselves, I mean, we all end up in dark places at different times in our lives because of different things and what we deal with. But I think that that's what gets so confusing when you're in that, that like kind of, I call it the dark room. I kind of reference it like a, like a photographer would film because everyone sometimes has to go into the dark room and, and it need, you need time to develop to see the full picture sometimes. And if you stay out and if you stay out too much, if you, if you don't take that moment to go into the dark room, then you just stay underdeveloped and exposed. And then, then you, then you never become. So, you know, whenever I'm in going into like a, you know, having a, a moment in my dark room, now I, I am able to dip, I'm able to have that difference of like, of never questioning that I'm supposed to be here. And so, yeah, I, I really would be surprised if, have you ever, have you not, have you ever felt like that growing up? Like, or as I don't know how you feel about it now, but like, how do you associate purpose and passion and all of those things, those words? Um, well, it's interesting as I hear you talk about it, you clearly have thought about it in some ways even more than I have and more differently. And even as I hear you talk about a guru, it sounds like you also have had the advantage of being in conversation about it with someone who's also being thoughtful about it. Um, I have, um, and I, I mean, clearly, I think we all do. What would I say to that? Have I thought about my purpose? Um, maybe not in exactly the way that you were saying. I think I've thought about things that I would love to do. Um, I thought about my fundamental appreciation for being alive or being healthy. Uh, as an example, I had a very bad car accident when I was a kid and they thought I wasn't going to walk again. And so I probably have a greater appreciation every day, even just walking or if I get to play basketball or do something, it probably brings me a greater level of joy uh, than, uh, than otherwise. Um, um, but, but I probably, that's entering the way you describe a dark room. I might w- want my dark room to be in Hawaii. <laughs> that's fine you know, dark room yeah, doesn't have might, to be a dark place i was gonna say there may be some light coming in but, but <laughs> yes i understand your point and i could um i probably could uh could use that and would enjoy it and would and would get really good joy out of it i'm someone who also i think part of my you called it dark room part of my thinking space or my feeling space or what have you also sometimes lives in pages and so whether that's People would call it journaling, but it's not exactly, or writing on a whiteboard and kind of thinking out loud. Oh my God. I think, I think, I, are you the same? You do that too? I literally, I'm like, can I show you this one? I have, show I think me. I have three whiteboards. I'm like, what's okay. on this one? I can't show you this one, but I have okay. three. I literally have, I have a big one and I have mm. a little one and I have one that just to get things out. I get that. Yeah. 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 It does something good for you to kind of put it out there and let people kind of really see that. Uh, in that, in that really, really good way, which I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy. Yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy.
Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock HealthLock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Did I hear that you teach meditation at schools? Uh, yeah, I, so I, I don't necessarily teach, I don't necessarily teach uh, meditation in schools, but I did take my teacher training uh, in meditation so that I could go back to the schools to where I'm from and talk about meditation and how we can um, put it in our schools because there are some, there's some really cool elementary and middle schools in Maryland, I think, who are already implementing this, uh, kind of programming where they don't have detention. They have, uh, like yoga rooms and quiet rooms and meditation rooms, which I mean, th- this is what grown adults have. You walk into any tech space and they have quiet rooms. So why not have those for kids? Like, you know, why are adults the only ones that need quiet and take the time to walk away from the rest of your coworkers? Like, don't you think kids need that too? <laughs> I, I, you know, I really, I like that. I love that creativity. I love that uh, possibility. 
I definitely was a kid who would have benefited from, uh, from that. Um, I definitely would have benefited from that. Um, and it's not a, it's not a punishment, you know, yeah. it's a, it's yeah. a, it's, it's an opportunity. And that's why I wanted, what I love that those, these schools and these public schools in Maryland are doing, um, is they, but they have someone who, you know, if you're, if for whatever reason, a child, a student is acting out in class, they go to this room and they'll learn yogic exercises and breathings and breathing practices. And, um, and these kids, you, you can look up these internets. They're all over. I mean, these interviews are all over the internet and these kids will very eloquently share how this has affected them. And, mm-hmm. and that this is exactly what they needed in that, you know, they'll, they'll tell a story about how like, yeah, you know, um, this, whatever this happened at home and it just made me really anxious. And then I came here and then I, you know, was doing this in class. But once I came to, um, the meditation room, I feel really better after just stretching and breathing. I feel much more calm. Duh. Like, thank you. Everyone deserves this. (laughs) I really, I, I, well, I'm the son of teachers, grandson of teachers. And I really, I like that sense of creativity and I've had a chance to travel. And, um, one of my fun things I love to do when I've traveled the world is I love to see what their schools are like. And, you know, they have these interesting schools in parts of Italy and parts of Singapore where they believe that music is the key and that you can learn your letters better. You can learn history better. You can learn reading better, math better. If you mix it with music, they add music and things can go better. Um, but some of these other thoughts like that, as you're describing them, I remember meeting a wonderful psychologist in India. And now that I think about it, she had some of this thinking as well, too, um, about, you know, schools filled with opportunities and kind of thinking about your full self and kind of your different needs. And, uh, and she, she approached it and I'm not going to, um, try to remember the name of the program she called it, but she approached it very much in terms of opportunities as you're talking about, which I really yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine, okay. I'm imagining being a student in a classroom and for whatever reason in my personal life, I'm being disruptive and it's now not only making my teacher upset, making my classmates distracted. And then my de- my teacher decides to send me to a detention room where I am, I am being punished. I am not, you know, being nurtured. And now I'm angry and I'm embarrassed and I'm hurt and I'm scared. And then I'm supposed to eventually go back into this class and somehow be better. Now, what if I was that same disruptive kid and then I went into a room and someone welcomed me and said, hey, you, you're not having a good day. Let's, you know, talk about it. Do you want to, let's, you know, do some breathing exercises. Do you want to stretch? Do you want to jump? Do you want to sing? Do you want to dance? Whatever this is. And, you know, but specifically the, the meditative practices, specifically the, the pranayamas, the breath work, the, the, you know, the just stretching your body. And when that, that student, when me, the disruptive student, when I go back into my class, I feel relaxed. I feel refreshed. I feel calmed. I feel um, maybe a bit remorseful, a bit, maybe still embarrassed, but better for it. And, and, you know, ready to be a part and do my part and give to this, you know, our little mini society, our little mini classroom. And I feel like it builds compassion in, in kids, you know, just to have that, have someone, have someone love on you. Like, instead of, instead of saying you're not fitting into a box, so we're going to put you in a box. That's not right. Yeah. It's so nice that you say that. So I, um, when I, I, 
uh, got in a lot of trouble early on as a student. And in those days, they would kick you out of class. And so uh, my mom used to tell me stories that she said that not only would they kick you out, it's crazy to think about, but for a five-year-old, they would have me stand on the side of the road and wait for her to come pick me up, hugging a flagpole. Five years old? Absolutely crazy, insane. But she said she used to show up and, you know, she used to say, come here, boy, you need a hug. And to your point about how you approach someone who is struggling or clearly is not currently well situated is such a powerful thing. And the ability to kind of um, refill people back up with goodness or love on them, as you said, I think is a special talent that um, that also would be a good class. In, in addition to meditation, be a good class about how to uh, share love and uh, show love uh, probably would be uh, probably be a good thing. Um, Oh, that makes me so warm. I just love that your mom did that. Whereas like, I mean, I love my parents. My parents gave me a lot of love, but if I got in trouble, I was just in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? She was, uh, I used to tell her that she was, she ounce brown. She was the best mom I ever met. She was a, uh, she was a teacher. So she'd had lots of experience with kids and had lots of experience with different kinds of kids and different needs. So I think came to it. She also was a late in life mom. So I think that that she also always said that she was more sure of herself and therefore able to, you know, be better even in what might be difficult moments. And uh, um, and a little bit like your brother, she had had younger siblings who she had helped raise. So I think she brought all of these good things to the table. Plus, she just was a fun person. And, you know, the difference when there's someone who's fun in charge and who just natural instinct is to have more fun. Because her feeling was like, why shouldn't we have a good time? Like, if we're not going to have a good time, which time are we going to have? Right? And yes! So that's a good, uh, that is, uh, any, and you would always think of, I always think how lucky I am that that was true for me and really wish that that was true for everyone. Because I'm sure there are lots of other kids who could use some version of that. Um, I feel like so. you're, you're telling me that your mom wrote the Drake line, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> Did you tell me your mom is Drake's you know what? writer? Is I that love what you that. Said? I love that. You're saying she was the mother of Aubrey. You know, uh, <laughs> all due respect to uh, to young Drake. You know, she was Aubrey's mother. You know, maybe, uh, maybe anyone between Drake and um, and Rihanna, you can always find a line that works. I think between the two of them, I like her. Uh, I like. Is it her new song, or maybe am I just hearing it on TikTok? Yeah, I got I the sauce. Is that? You know that song, I've Got the Sauce? You know I'm Saucy? You don't know that song? You oh, I Got a Sauce, yeah. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that's new? I thought, well, I don't know if it's new or not, but for some reason, it is all over. There you go. All right. It's all over TikTok. But you, you're, you're doing that. You're drinking in a kind way. You were saying it's new to you. That's all right. All right. They're going to make me go. But before I go, I want to, um, can I do something with you I call Rapid Fire where I ask you, a couple of quick questions. Love a game. Okay. All right. All right. What do you value the most? Peace of mind. Ooh, everybody should have some peace of mind. Your favorite movie of all time. Um, oh, no. My favorite movie of all time. I'm, I'm just going to say Sister Act 2, but it's, it's really not. But I'll say Sister Act 2. Long live Whoopi. I love that. Okay. Um, if you could get a couple of uh, tickets to go anywhere in the world, where would you love to go? Um, I would love to go to outer space. Ooh, uh, with your friend Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Uh, 
go with them. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're not on the rocket ship. They're no, not they're not having brownie ship. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's me and my friends, and we're we're not we're not staying for long. We just want to get a really good view of Earth, uh, and then come back. I love that. I love that. Okay. I would say a little bit longer, but it sounds like, you know, you're not here for a long time. You're here for a good time. So that's okay. Um, um, uh, what's, uh, uh, what's your nickname among your family? I have a couple Logs, Logie Noke, Logie Bogue. Uh, Lo- one person calls me Logers and I've, I've been meaning to tell him I don't really vibe with Logers. Yeah. That's too close to some other stuff. All right. Um, what, <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you've learned so far about dreaming fearlessly? The most interesting thing I've learned so far about dreaming fearlessly. Um, that is that is that you you can't you can't you can't get it wrong. Even when you get it wrong, you're you're still on the path. You're still on the path to, to something great. Yeah, you can't get it wrong. Last time you were scared. Uh, I was just watching the circle on Netflix and I get like, they have this part of the circle that goes alert. And it always makes my heart just kind of jump a little bit. <laughs> um, your next big dream. My next big dream is, um, I mean, this is gonna, oh my God, hopefully no one pops in my DMs when I say this. I want a family. <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad thing to say. It is, it is, it is when, you know, if you say it and then they're like, oh, really? Is that what you want? (laughs) I just want, like, I want to continue to create my community around me. Like, I've done a really good job of, like, finding the girlfriends in my life. I got a dog. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to create, you know, I've, I've realized that I've spent a lot of my life alone. You know, like I said, I moved to LA when I was 14. I stayed out here, moved back out here when I was 19 by myself like i i just want to make sure that as i go on in my life i have proper family how many kids oh i don't know as many as god wills but not too many <laughs> okay 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 um most interesting thing you've learned about love oh that um it's for everyone yeah it's for everyone we we all have it to give we all need it um, and that, I mean, hashtag Beatles, love is all we need. I love it. Who doesn't like Beatles? Last question. If you could have dinner with absolutely anybody dead or alive, who would you love to have dinner with? Who would it bring you joy to have dinner with? I mean, if I could have my dad back and have dinner with my dad again, I, I mean, cue dance with my father again, because <laughs> Luther knew what he's talking about. <laughs> I would, I would give anything to just you know he's missed a lot of my life and um I mean he hasn't missed it he's been present you know in his own way but um I would just I'd want to I'd want to hear from him I'd want to hear like his advice um and just like share hear his hear his big belly laugh again Uh, that's yeah what what was his name if you don't mind me asking Larry or Dr. B is everyone in Atlanta knows him dr b long live larry okay (laughs) hey logan thank you it was so nice to meet you um i really appreciate you uh spending all this time with me thank you thank you very much thank you for having me this was nice yeah yeah um have a good one and i hope i meet you in person at some point 
Oh wait, I'm gonna show you my dog first. Come here, Russell. Oh, you gotta say hi. You gotta say hi, Russ. Oh, come on, baby boy. He is like, what are you doing? Oh, how old is Russell? Russell is about three years old. He's a rescue, and I got him in December. Oh, Russell's looking all kinds of cute, and Russell is hugged on all the time. And we're the same. We're like twins. <laughs> I love that. I love when people start dressing uh, everybody the same way. I love that. Why not? No fear. I love that. I love that. I um I need a dog. I don't think I've ever had a dog. I need a dog. That'd be uh Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. need one of these. Yeah. Russell. Now does Russell wake you up? Yeah, he does. But he, he Russell's a really good dog. He's not a barker. Yeah. He just he just comes to the side of the bed and just does this little stretch on the bed and he's like, ma'am, it's time. <laughs> it's time for you to get up. We gotta go. Um uh, well, be well. Have fun at the Erica Badu concert. And uh, and I will see you on the basketball court. All right. See you there. Okay. See you soon. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.